0: Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I want to thank Audible.com for supporting this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. For a free 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash yours truly. Now it's time for today's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. The original air date, June the 21st, 1959. And the title is, The Life at Stake Matter. From Hollywood, it's time now for...
1: Johnny Dollar.
2: I have a call for you from Hartford, Connecticut. One moment, please.
1: Oh, thank you, operator. Go ahead, please. Hello? Johnny? Yeah, that's right.
2: Bill Ferguson at Continental Insurance
1: and Trust. I'm glad I caught you before you left Los Angeles. Oh, I was just about to check out of my hotel here in Beverly Hills and grab the morning flight back east.
3: Well, don't.
1: Yeah? What's up?
3: Do you remember Alvin Peabody Cartwright?
1: Cartwright? That wild old character who lives up in Lakewood a few miles north of Hartford?
3: That's the one. Bad as they come, but worth a lot of money. Yeah, you can
1: say that again. Oh? That robbery I cleared up for him last winter? Bill, he insisted on giving me a small bonus for it. Three thousand smackers. Wow. Yeah. So if Mr Alvin Peabody Cartwright is calling for my services, I am ready, willing, and able. Well he is, Johnny. He says it's tremendously important that you contact him at once. All right, then I'll finish my packing and grab the plane. No. What? He's out there on the coast. Has a little or at least he calls it little. He has a place right there in Beverly Hills at ten three twenty one North Roxbury Drive. ten three twenty one North Roxbury. Did he tell you what it's all about? Only that it's very important that he see you right away. When you consider how many attempts have been made on his life over the years... Yeah, I know. And Johnny... Yeah? Don't forget that Cartwright is a pretty important client of ours. If anything should happen to him... I see what you mean. Okay, Bill, I'll be in touch. Bob Bailey. In the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account... America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar... To the Continental Insurance and Trust Company Home Office, Hartford, Connecticut... Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Life at Stake matter. I notified the Beverly Hilton that I'd be staying over for a while and grabbed a Beverly Hills telephone directory. Expense account item one, a call to Crestview 32121. Well? Well? Mr. Cartwright?
2: Cartwright?
1: Yes, sir. Cartwright, huh?
2: Well, that's very interesting. I beg your pardon? What's the matter? Don't you hear good? I said that's very interesting. You see, my name is Cartwright, too.
1: Uh, No, no, you misunderstood. So,
2: what can I do for you, Mr. Cartwright?
1: No, no, uh, listen, would you? This is Johnny Dollar.
2: Dollar! Oh, now, what's the idea of trying to confuse me that way? I'm Cartwright, you remember.
1: Uh, yes, sir.
2: And, uh, Johnny? Yeah? How did you do it? Do what? Get out here so fast. I only put in that call to Hartford about an hour ago, and here you are. I mean, how did you manage
1: it? Oh, well, you see, Mr. Green. I
2: know these new jet flights are pretty fast, but... (laughs) Now, Johnny, you haven't been fooling around with some of those rocket ships, have
1: you? No, 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 I'm afraid not. I I just happened to be here already, you see. I was working on a case up at Morro Bay.
2: Oh, and did you solve
1: it? Yeah, it came out all right.
2: Well, congratulations. Johnny, you are a wonder. And I think you deserve some kind of a reward for it. So uh, maybe I'll think of something. Oh,
1: well, thanks, but that won't be necessary.
2: You no, know, whatever you say. I know that I'm deeply indebted to you for the things you've done for me, so, Johnny... Well, don't
1: worry about it. Yeah, whatever
2: you say. Well, nice to have talked to you. Goodbye. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. Well, can't you see I'm busy?
1: But you sent for me. I did? Yeah. You called Hartford, said you wanted to see me right away.
2: Oh, of course I did. What's the matter with you, anyway? Of course I want to see you. Jonathan Peebles, too. Right away.
1: Who is Jonathan Peebles?
2: He's an old friend of mine. He lives out here. I telephoned him to come a-running, too.
1: Oh, well, what's it all about, Mr. Cartwright?
2: Well, just you get yourself on over here to my house, and I'll tell you. And don't you waste any time. You just hurry.
1: Pretty important, huh?
2: Important. It's vital.
1: Well, is somebody threatening you, something like that?
2: I said it's important, Johnny. And I mean important.
1: Okay, Mr. Cartwright. I'll be right over. Hurry, Johnny. Please. Yes, sir. Yeah, old man Cartwright was as wacky as a bedbug, But what Bill Ferguson had told me was true. A lot of people have tried over the years to get to him, get to his money. So I phoned the desk for an Avis Rent a car and started down for my room. I say started. The youngster who came barreling down the hallway, chasing a hula hoop, was probably a very nice kid, a great joy to his parents. May even grow up to be President of the United States. But as I started out the door, that hoop caught me between the knees Oh, Oh! Daddy! Mommy! I love
3: him!
1: I love him! I came to a couple of hours later on a table at the dispensary, I guess you'd call it, there at the hotel. I was conscious of a good-looking blonde in starched white uniform standing beside me, holding a wad of cotton a few inches from my face.
4: That's better now. That's better. What is it? Now, girl? once more, take a good, deep breath. Mm. Inhale, Mr. Dollar. Mm. Yeah. I'll... Oh. <laughs> oh. What? The... <laughs> just smelling salts. You had quite a bang on the head.
1: Yeah.
4: You should see what you did to that metal door panel. Oh, and the child's parents said that if there's anything they can do, they... No.
1: No. Nurse, where's my coat? Oh, here.
4: But you ought to rest a while. No,
1: sorry. I gotta get out of here. And thanks. I dashed out to where my rental car was waiting for me and drove to the address on North Roxbury Drive in a wealthy section of Beverly Hills. A beat-up touring car that must have dated back to the early 30s was parked in the driveway front door of the house stood wide open. Mr. Kynwright! Mr. Kynwright! Oh, hello. Is that you? He, he isn't here. What?
4: Are you Mr. Dollar? I mean, uh, are you Mr. Dollar? Yeah, that's right. I, I'm Jonathan Peebles, Alvin's friend, and, oh, Mr. Dollar. Yeah, yeah, what's the matter? He's gone. Something's happened to him, and, oh, Mr. Dollar. Well... Yeah? Well, from what I saw, from what I've found around here. Oh, Mr. Dolly, he's been murdered. He what? I'm sure of it. He's been murdered. Frank Wright has been murdered. Oh, Mister Dollar, what can we do? Well, what happened? How long have you been here? He telephoned me, told me to come over here; that it was very urgent. Yeah, he
1: told me the same thing.
4: But he often does that, you know how he is. Always has to see me right away, immediately, and often it's just for some little thing like sharing some ice cream with him or seeing a new flower that's come into bloom. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, uh, anything, so now that's why I didn't hurry coming over here. And anyhow, Betsy doesn't like to be pushed. Who is Betsy? Well, that's my nice old car that's parked out front. Didn't you see it? Oh, yeah, sure. I I named it Betsy after an old white horse I used to have when I first came to California. I see. Wonderful horse. And would you believe how old she was when she finally died?
1: No, and I don't care uh, now about Mr. Cartwright.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, dear, Mr. Dollar. Well, when I finally got here a few minutes ago, I was surprised to find the front door standing wide open. But then I wasn't surprised either, if you know what I mean. I certainly
1: do not know what you mean. Well,
4: I mean that he often left it open that way, and I told him a thousand times he shouldn't do it, that it was careless of him, and that one of these days, some ruffian knowing about all the money he had... Well, I, I, I told him, Mr. Dodd. Yes,
1: I'm sure you did, but that doesn't do us any good right now. Oh. Look, before we go any further, Mr. Peebles, just who are you? One of the many of Alvin Cartwright's eccentric old wealthy friends? Well. No, I, I beg your pardon. I didn't quite mean that the way it sounded. Well, uh,
4: I should hope not. Uh, believe me, I may be eccentric, but I am not wealthy. If it wasn't for beneficial finance, I couldn't even keep up the payments on Betsy. You mean to say you're still making it? Oh, now, wait a minute. Mr. Cartwright. Oh, yes, of course. So, uh, uh, well, anyway, I, I came into the house and I called to him. I looked around for him, but there was no one here. No servants? No And anyway, he keeps changing them so often that, well, I I just can't keep up with them. Uh, So I I, I looked all through the house. Any sign of a struggle, anything like that? No, 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 no. Uh, Then I looked out the window and I saw them. Who's them? Two men walking out the driveway from back where the garage is. What did they look like? They were, well, they were awfully rough looking, but uh, they were well-dressed, so I thought perhaps they were a couple of Alvin's new servants I hadn't met, but... Oh, if I'd only thought about that tour robe they were carrying and the way it was dripping. Wait a minute. What's a tour robe? Oh, it's like a big, heavy suitcase, like a small wardrobe trunk. It is more like a suitcase. It it was heavy. They could hardly carry it. And oh, Mr. Dollar. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Listen. You said it was dripping. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, all over the drive. Come on.
1: I think we'd better take a look and close that front door.
4: Oh, Oh, yes.
1: Come on. These men were coming from the garage. That's
4: right, yes. But Alvin doesn't have a car, so what could they be doing there? Is that where he kept his old luggage? Yes, and the frozen food locker and some garden tools. Oh, oh, there. Now, look. Yes. Oh. Good Lord. Oh, yes. It's it, it blood, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, they killed him, dismembered him. Then, oh, Mr. Dollar. Oh. I
1: made a hasty inspection of the garage. Nothing. I found no sign of a struggle anywhere in the house. I tried to get a description of the men he'd seen from Jonathan Peoples, but I'm afraid he wasn't much help. And yet, with that funny mind of his...
4: Oh, dear, Mr. Dollar, I'm afraid I'm so distraught that I, I just can't remember it all. All right. Poor Albert.
1: Now, look. They must have had a car, Mr. Peoples. Did you notice a, a car out front?
4: car? Why, yeah. Uh... Yes, 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 I did. All right,
1: can you describe it
4: to me? Uh, uh, yes, it was a touring car in 1931. Oh, no, 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 that's my car,
1: I'm Oh, great. Uh,
4: but there was another at the end of the driveway. And, Mr. Dollar, I've seen that car before. What time, uh, well, it was a four-door sedan. It was a big car. Yeah? It was silvery on the sides and a cream color on top, like uh, vanilla ice cream. Do you know the make? Uh, and the license number was CFU-160. Good. Oh, God. You are sure of that? Oh, I never forget things like that. And you say you've seen it before? Many times. Where? At the dock. Where? At the Malibu dock. That's where he keeps the Alpi car. Where? Who keeps the What? Where Alvin keeps the Alpicar, his yacht. Alpica, car. Alvin P. Okay, right? okay.
1: It's a pretty slim leave, but come on. And it was a slim one, believe me. But I couldn't see calling in the police until I had something more definite to give
4: them. Well, oh, here. Uh, we can take Betsy, Mr. Dollar.
1: Are you kidding? We'll make better time than mine.
4: Oh, yes, of course. Oh.
1: We cut out there. through Westwood, then Santa Monica, then hit the Coast Highway and headed north. Finally, we pulled up at the entrance of the Malibu dock. Look,
4: that's the car I told you about, parked there at the side.
1: Yeah, and it looks like coming here may pay off for us.
4: But uh, the boat, the car, it isn't at the mooring. Whitey. Oh, Whitey. Huh? Oh, hi, Miss Peeble. Yes. Have you seen Mr. Cartwright this morning, Whitey? Yeah, I didn't notice. His boat went out so...
1: How long ago? Oh,
4: I'd say 10,
2: 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, uh, see it yeah. out there, going up towards Point Doom. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, but those two men... What? Yeah, they had the shoreboat take them out to the Alpi car. Yeah? Well, I ought to sue them. What do you mean? Uh, that little trunk that they was carrying. You see, what I'm mopping up, oh. the messy trailer left all over the pier for me to clean up.
4: What?
1: <gasps> yes, sir, I ought to sue
3: them.
4: Oh, Mr. Dollar, that means they're taking poor Alvin Cartwright's dismembered body out to sea to dispose of it. And on his own yacht. Oh, well, we've got eh? to
1: find something fast enough to catch up with it out there. Well, there's that, uh, that Thompson cruiser of Larry Comstock's tied up here. Yeah, who's Comstock? Who oh, has a boat and motor shop in Los well, Angeles? If it's fast enough. Well, he has a couple of Big Johnsons on it. Fastest one that's out here now. Then call him on the phone. Tell him we buried it. Well now. Tell him why. It's an emergency and that
4: we'll pay him plenty for the use of it. Well, now, I don't know if you really ought well, to. Well, I to do,
1: it. and listen, call the Coast Guard in Santa Monica, have them send out a patrol boat. Come on, people.
4: But, Mr. Dollar, those men on the yacht
1: are Desperados,
4: they're killers. Okay, then stay here in the dark. I'll go it along. No. Alvin was my friend. I shall help to avenge his untimely death.
1: Maybe I should have left him behind. Of course, I had a gun with me. But that wouldn't keep him from stopping a bullet if the men aboard the Alpha car decided to shoot it out. I opened the throttle wide on the twin outboards, and within 15 minutes, we overtook the big 75-foot yacht. Much to my surprise, it was simply cruising along. Of course. So as
4: not to arouse suspicion, that's why, Mr. Dollar. Yeah,
1: possibly. Yet it must be pretty clear to them that we're chasing them.
4: Look, 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 the man at the wheel. That's one of the ruffians I saw carrying the trunk of Alvin's bleeding body in it. Ruffian, man. Ah, I'm not so sure about and that. And there's the other, coiling up those ropes up on the foredeck. You
1: it. better stay down low, Mr. Peoples. They're stopping the boat. There's going to be any shit.
4: Look, look, look. There's Alvin. What? Yes, Alvin. He just came up on deck. Holy. Oh. You're right. Can't you see, Mr. Dollar? They've put him together again. Yes, those killers. <clears throat> Alvin! Alvin! We are here!
2: We've come to your rescue! Jonathan! Jonathan, what a surprise! And Johnny Dollar. Now, what are you doing out here?
1: Are you kidding?
2: What? Oh, of course. I remember now. I wanted to take you out for a nice long ride in my lovely yacht. Huh? Of course. That's why I called you. Johnny, I think you deserve something nice like this for all the good work you've done. And since you've done so many fine things for me over the years, I decided I should take you on a nice long cruise, And you could relax and eat and sleep and fish and... Yeah. And that's
1: why you called the insurance company to get in touch with me? That's
2: right. (laughs) Now, wasn't that a great idea? Well, I'll be. And I invited Jonathan along, too. But an awfully funny thing happened, Johnny. No. Yes, sir, Johnny. The minute we left the dock, I just knew there was something else that I'd forgotten. And you know what it was?
1: Don't tell me.
2: Of course I will. I'd forgotten to wait for you and Jonathan. Oh, now, isn't that the funniest thing?
1: Yeah, Mr. Cartwright, it
2: sure is.
4: Now, just a minute, Alvin. Yes, yes, Jonathan. What about those two men, those terrible killers... What did you say? Right there beside you. They killed you. They murdered you, and uh, they... Uh, oh, what am I saying? Oh, oh, Wait a minute. Yeah, you think
1: it over, Mister Peoples.
4: Mister Cartwright. Yes, John. You said something else. You'd forgotten. That's right. You and Jonathan. I
2: forgot to wait for you at the house, and then when we started off, I... Well, oh, wasn't it silly of I forgot all about you. What? What was the other thing? The other thing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, of course. Oh, the other thing that I'd forgotten was the trunk full of nice, thick, juicy, tenderloin steaks that I'd set aside in the garage for this trip. Trunk Well, it was not a real trunk, just a little two-rope that I had out in the garage. Two. But I remembered that the minute we came on board. And so I had to send Gerald and Harold back to the house in their car again.
1: Gerald and Harold? Oh, they're
2: my new butler and cookie. Oh, they are the nicest boys. Oh, Gerald... And, Harold, come over here to the rail so my
4: friends... Oh, no, say... wait, Alvin, wait. Uh, yes, Johnny. You you,
2: you you mean to say those men standing there beside you oh. Now, why don't you and Johnny come aboard and I'll introduce them to you.
1: Oh, wait just a minute. Then all that blood... What, Johnny? All that blood that was dripping out of that trunk...
2: Oh, oh, oh wasn't that awful? And it was all my fault because I let the stakes... Fall out too much. Oh, no. all over the place. I never saw so much oh, no. blood. <laughs> but now come aboard, and we'll take the nice trip that I planned for you.
3: Come on
1: now. Hey, you know something? It's crazy. It's wild. But it does my heart good to get tangled up in something like this. Sometimes helps keep away the ulcers. As for the expense account, forget it. Alvin Peabody Cartwright shoved a check into my hands before I left that would cover the expense account a dozen times over. As for Larry Comstock, the man whose boat I'd appropriated, well, when he heard the story of what had happened, he wouldn't accept a penny for it. So, that's that. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Instead of telling you about next week's yarn, congratulations to Station WDBJ in Roanoke, Virginia. 35 years on the air. Pretty good, huh? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Gene Tatum, Howard McNear, Horace Lewis, Joseph Kearns, and Paul Duball. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Cumberly speaking.
0: Welcome back. I never knew those hula hoops could be so dangerous. Uh, Those folks who actually survived the 1950s, well done. (laughs) I actually don't recall Johnny ever having had such a pure 1950s sort of injury. Well, we have a little bit more to say about today's episode, but before we do, I do want to talk a little bit about Audible. I'm very honored that Audible is supporting this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I've been a customer for a long time, and it's a service that has just gotten better and better over time, and now offers more than 250,000 different titles, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals, while adding new titles all the time. You can listen to Audible audiobooks anywhere, whether you're mowing the grass, jogging, or taking a long car trip. Audiobooks can take a mundane task and make it pleasant. Audible is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial. Just go to audible.com slash yours truly and browse over 250,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. One program you might consider is The History of Harry Nile, Volume 1. This set chronicles the adventures of Private Eye Harry Nile between 1939 and 1942. While these programs were produced in the 1970s, they do a great job of recapturing the spirit of the golden age of radio detectives. The History of Harry Nile Volume 1 collects 23 episodes of this great radio revival series. Uh, you can pick up The History of Harry Nile Volume 1 or an audiobook of your choice by starting a free trial at audible.com slash yours truly. Now, um, regarding this week's episode, well, to me, this episode uh, once again showed the uh, possibility Johnny Dollar has um, of uh, surprising you, and in ways most other shows wouldn't. Most other shows would tend to surprise you with uh, whatever gruesome surprise could happen. But sometimes uh, our hero gets surprised and befuddled by... A sudden check from a gratified client. As well as a nice fishing holiday uh, with uh, steaks uh, grilled for them. On board a luxury ship. And it really does create a balance of rewards and pleasant surprises, weird cases, and then some of the more nasty ones. Uh, certainly, if we want to think Johnny's got it too easy, we would do well to remember that just a few weeks ago, one of his uh, friends was poisoned. at uh, meal where Johnny was nearly poisoned. Though I have to admit, probably the funniest part of this episode was when Johnny asked if the uh, friend was one of uh, the insured's uh, rich, eccentric uh, friends, and he insisted, no, 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 I may be eccentric, but I'm not rich. And that took me surprised because I was expecting it to be the other way around. Now we turn to uh, listener emails and, uh, we have a question from, uh, Terry who writes, Adam, I am a fairly new fan and join, uh, episodes, especially, uh, Johnny Dollar. I noticed a lot of these shows had original air dates in 1959. Seems like this was getting towards the end of the golden age of radio and into more local live, uh, record oriented shows. As this happened, do you know what stations did with the serials and comedy shows were they relegated to night time, or were they kept on their regular schedules? As an old radio guy, I'm just curious how the programming changed. Uh, thanks, Adam. Uh, well, good question, uh, Terry. I guess we'll start with the comedies. And the answer is, uh, regarding the comedies is that the best old-time radio program whose stars were able to transition uh, to television did so. Uh uh, with Life of Riley, Armis Brooks, Burns and Allen, Ozzie and Harriet. And also somewhat less successfully with Life with Luigi and The Great Gildersleeve. There was a pretty big exodus of comedy Uh, uh The uh, big uh, comedians like Bob and uh, Martin and Lewis, uh, they hosted shows on uh, television or took turns hosting Variety Specials. Now, there were a couple uh, exceptions to this. Um, Jim Jordan, a.k.a. Fibber McGee, continued to uh, appear over radio without uh, Molly due to illness in a series of five-minute segments, many of which were aired daily, and some which were aired as part of NBC's Monitor program. After the... uh, Amos and Andy uh, program. The two had the Amos and Andy Music Hall uh, show going into the early 1960s. As for cereals, well, children's serials really began to fade from popularity towards the end of the 1940s. Now, there was a re uh, an effort to rekindle interest in them, particularly at CBS in the mid-1950s, which led to the uh, Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar serial run from 1955 to 56. However, by the latter part of the 1950s, most serial programs had gone off the air. The exception to this really were the soap operas, where people had dedicated and put so much interest into listening to these programs every day that they continued to be produced into the late uh, 1950s. Probably the uh, one of the more interesting uh, serials was Couple Next Door, which ran for only seven hundred episodes. I say only because uh, some of these programs ran for thousands of episodes. Because uh, Lot Couple Next Door, they were day by day, but this started in the mid to late nineteen fifties. So by the time you were, if you were listening to the radio in nineteen fifty nine, when it came to uh, Comedy. Most of the golden age of comedy had already left. Your best bet for that would be television. If you were a soap opera fan and your soap opera had been running a long time, you might still be able to listen to it at this point. And of course, CBS not only had yours truly, Johnny Dollar, they had suspense. They had Have Gun, Will Travel and uh, Gunsmoke. But overall, there were a diminishing number of options out there. So that was about the state of radio in 1959. All right, well, that will do it for today. Remember, you can uh, try Audible out for free. Go to audible.com slash yours truly. Remember to vote for us in the podcast awards. Podcastawards.com. We encourage you to vote every day for us in the entertainment category, along with uh, any of your other favorite uh, podcasts. Coming up tomorrow, it's Dragnet. Next Wednesday, we'll welcome Richard Nyman. And then uh, next Friday, another episode of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.